the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. I'm one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. CZC. Joined with me, as always, my brother from another mother, Zach, the total snackage Schaefer. Who can do better than me at hip-hop? I'm the hip-hop man. Dude, we're recording this midday on a Saturday. How freaking appropriate. People are going, don't you have lives? Yes, we do. We do yes, have we, lives. As we're watching Bodhi making uh, <laughs> signals behind you. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of perfect that Bodhi is joining us in, like, his presence is here. You guys can't hear him. Do you want to say hi really ca- quickly? Hi. You could say a normal voice. Hi. <laughs> hey, buddy. He, he just turned nine. We're about to drop. We're, this is the season premiere of season five. Yep. Uh, TV Obscura. Uh, I guess Bodhi's filling in for Diallo on this one, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, unfortunately, Diallo's not riding shotgun on this episode. He is on a much-needed and much-deserved vacation. So, uh, buddy, I hope you're uh, out there having a good time and everything. And uh, sorry you can't be here to, to kick off Season 5 with us. But uh, the lack of Diallo is not an indication of any sort of uh, change-ups behind the scenes. It's just uh, one episode, and it happens to be the Season 5 premiere. So... Zach and I are tackling a cartoon anthology that I have no familiarity with, which is weird because in 1987, I mean, I was like, uh, I was nine years old, so I, I should be aware of some of these cartoons. Um, but we are talking about the, the anthology comic strip, or is it called The Comic Strip? Uh, come on, take a trip on the comic strip. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> there it is. The comic strip. Uh, Zach, what are the four shows that are included in this? And, and why are we discussing this one? Does this one have uh, any nostalgic um, uh, familiarity to you? This one has serious nostalgic familiarity to me and to my son, actually, because uh, when I was record- when, when I was 11, 
1987, which, by the way, might quite possibly be the best year for the 80s as far as pop culture is concerned. Uh, that can be a debate we'll have on the wrap-up show on our Patreon. And if you'd like to become a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark and sign up today. It's totally worth it. I know I say that all the time. All the time. Time. Uh, but, it, time but it is totally time. worth it. So I was 87. Uh, I was you're, in 87. You were 87 in 87, yeah. Well, let me tell you. Um, I think this this cartoon, had a, this series, the comic strip, had a huge influence on me as far as voice acting is concerned because I the intro to this show is all one guy doing a bunch of different voices and I remember like imitating it when I was a kid singing the theme song to comic strip c-o-m-i-c-s-t-r-i-p come on take a trip on the comic strip and I actually really for... like that intro song I think it's, it's a, a very catchy jingle I totally agree um, and then the preview of the four shows, you know, they, they, they start out with, uh, he's mean, he's lean, he's a karate machine, Kiao, baby, karate cat. And then, uh, are your children monsters? Bring them to Camp Minimon. And then who can do better? Who can do hip hop better than a frog can? Get down with the street frogs. Hold on to adventure with the tiger sharks. I basically just told you all four shows <laughs> um but the guy who does the voice to that which reminds me I, I i didn't track who it was exactly but it reminds me a lot of the guy who used to do the briars ice cream commercials with like the whitish blonde hair oh, he yeah. was like a voice uh he was kind of like uh michael winslow from police academy okay okay all Anyways, right. um, I, I love this show when I was a kid. When Bodie was very little, I would show him the show. Uh, I would show him the clips on YouTube. We watched a lot of Tiger Sharks. Isn't that right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then I, watched, I showed him uh, all four shows just not that long ago, but we'll get to all that later. Well, so what I've noticed is that one of the voices for all four – um, is Earl Hammond? Is he the one that did the op intro, opening intro, and everything? Is that who you're referring to? Um, but there is one other person. P uh, I think it was Peter Newman is also in a lot of them as well. But uh, no, Bob McFadden. Earl Hammond is in a lot of them, and then McFadden is in a lot of them as well. So I'm not quite sure which is the one that was doing all the voices. You know, it's very tricky. Um, I I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I know that at the same time I was watching Reading Rainbow mm -hmm. and this guy had done like a bit on voice acting on Reading Rainbow and that was a huge influence on me as well. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it's him or not, but, you know, it, it, it. I think at the time it like showed me that you could do so much with your own natural voice and do all these different characters. Um, and I think because of this show, I was already familiar with Thundercats and Silverhawks and we'll talk about the connection that those two shows have to one particular show. Um, but I, I think I was like, oh, that's the voice of Lion-O doing that voice. Oh, that's the voice of Chitara. You know, suddenly it started making me very uh, aware that these shows were not just in my imagination a beautiful thing, but like I was more self-aware, more aware of the fact that, oh, right, like, these are voice actors playing these characters. They're not just characters, right? 11 years old, you start to realize that the Wizard of Oz 
is behind the curtain. You know what I'm saying? And that and that these these things are fictional characters, not just real. Because when you're younger, you still believe in the oh, I think Thunderhawks are. I think <laughs> Thunderhawks. I think Thundercats are real. I think Silverhawks are real. And then you get older, and you're like, oh, that's just a character on a show. Right. So it's a different level of imagination, world building. And for me, it was like, oh, that voice is, it wasn't just hearing Flint in G.I. Joe and then hearing him in, in Humanoids, you know? It was, it was like, oh, all these character actor voices were coming together for me now. And I was like, this, that's really cool. I want to do that for a living. Way back in 1987. I mean, that's awesome, dude. That's much more of an importance in your life than I ever thought that the show was going to be. I didn't, I know, I didn't know, right? <laughs> I didn't know all that. So I'm glad we're covering it. Um, I'll just kind of, you know, elaborate you know, a little bit more on my end. 1987, I'm, did, this went straight to syndication. So I'm wondering like why I didn't see it. Like I figured this would be right up my alley across the board. Now I will say, I do remember Tiger Sharks. I do remember, I should say, I do remember their existence. Um, I didn't have any recollection of watching it as I was watching it, although I was quite impressed with the animation. Um, But I do remember it existing. Maybe it was in toy form or something. But I have no recollection of the other three cartoons in this grouping and the, 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 the... the comic strip, you know, moniker itself, like the the overall what this anthology show was called. So I don't know when this aired in my neck of the woods on the East Coast around around D.C. and Baltimore area. Maybe this was a, a Sunday cartoon because Sunday cartoons, I never really got a chance to watch too many Sunday cartoons. Um, and, le- and the only ones I did watch were the Hanna-Barbera ones. What was the the Wacky Racers and, and that kind of stuff? That's what that's what I remember Sunday mornings being um but i don't remember any of these at all i believe to the best of my knowledge i think this was on the usa network for me in the morning um and i remember that in our show notes is the link to this particular episode we're going to be discussing today is that right yeah, yeah, it's on Patreon. It's not behind the paywall. We always put them uh, we always put them up for free. But yeah, you can go and watch this one that Zach and I watched and it actually has 1987 commercials as well and we're going to rattle off a couple of them at the end of all this uh, cuz yeah. I took some notes. But yeah, it's a great link. Um it has multiple episodes of each show. So you can watch as little or as many as you want. The whole YouTube video is about two hours long. But, yeah, go on over to patreon.com slash dark, And, yes, you can watch the entire uh, – what we're going to be talking about, uh, the link that we used, we have it posted for free. So you can watch that. Yeah, so I think uh, I remember seeing – this is kind of a mashup of a couple different episodes because I believe – I remember seeing the hype for this either in a comic book or TV guide or something – God, TV Guide, you remember that? Um, and, Kids are like, what? What is that? What does that mean? Right? Isn't that, is that a channel? Isn't that a channel on cable? <laughs> yeah. It tells you what's coming up on your television uh, screen. Yeah. It's at a hotel. They play them on the hotel TV screens when you turn them on. Um, no, I, I remember seeing the hype for this and going, wow, there's all these cartoons in one block, and that's so cool. And I remember the initial block was all 
three or four cartoons. Yeah, I think it then, was all all four in one go. But um, then moving forward, I think they chopped it down to like one and two, okay. and then eventually just one with Tiger Sharks because I think that was the most successful out of these four. I can I can totally see that. Yeah. I mean, so Rankin Bass, really quickly, Rankin Bass is the production company behind this. If that name sounds familiar, and Lorimar Telepictures. Rankin Bass is mostly known for their stop motion animation, like the uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Rudolph, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Nose Reindeer, right? Yep. But then Lorimar, tel- Lorimar Telepictures um, is mostly known for their animation, which is which includes, like I said, Thundercats, Silverhawks. Um, oh, they produced Dark Knight of the Scarecrow actually too and oh, dallas they did live action hilarious. and animation eight <laughs> is go enough listen, go listen to our dark night of the scarecrow review we, i mean we did a full proper breakdown and review of that movie yeah so this this production company listen to some of these other things they did uh freddy's nightmares okay <laughs> the hogan's family uh gumby greatest american hero they did movies like gorillas in the mist um and the last starfighter so and yep. Max Headroom. I mean, so the list goes on. I could list off. I'm looking at their their slate of um, films, television shows that they pumped out. And it's a who's who of like 80s wonderland. I mean, everything you just mentioned was probably aside from Gorillas in the Mist. Although I remember that being a massive big deal when it came out. But I everything saw else. That you, uh, I'm not surprised, but everything else you mentioned is a part of my childhood. Yeah, same, same. Uh, by the I way, I was a huge Max Hedrum fan. By the way, me too, me too. And seeing Gorillas in the Mist scarred me, amongst many things. I will not bring that movie to pad, but <laughs> is that a she Diane Fossey? Is that who that is? Or it's based on her. I okay. think. And so it's not a proper biography, right? I don't think it is, but I remember Sigourney Weaver's character having a really brutal demise or at least talked about it mm. at the end. Like they, they flashed the screen of what happened to her because she was a, you know, tried to save the gorillas did, in the mist. Did they kill her or did poachers kill her? They chopped her head off. The, the poachers, poachers did? Yeah, yeah, that happens. That happens. It. Ha- I mean... My God! Anyways, um, this 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 series though ran for sixty five episodes, which is wild, that is. and it's tricky. If you go on Wikipedia and you look up the comic strip, it it doesn't really break down um, how many episodes each thing had, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to track that stuff. Karate Cat, uh, I don't think I think had the shortest run out of all of them. Um, and it's a shame because I feel like Karate Cat had potentially the best premise outside of the other two, uh, outside of uh, Tiger Sharks, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but anyways, we can talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think you know th- again this is like a who's who of voice actors, including some people that today are more well known now than they were back in 1987. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was completely shocked. Uh, you know. Well. I mean, all right. So guys and gals. Uh, Zach, you want to just basically we'll 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 
it's got four cartoons, so we're going to do four different chunks. We're going to do them in order. Uh, the Mini Monsters, Street Frogs, um, Karate Cat, and then Tiger Sharks. It's not going to be our normal routine where we're, like, we talk about one episode and one person. Zach's going to kind of showrun the whole thing uh, just because I had no familiarity with any of this stuff. And um, instead of a giant, like, 20-minute, you know, breakdown of each cartoon, we're just going to do sort of a quick one and then give our thoughts and then maybe treat the discussion as a whole towards the end like because this is i mean this was supposed to be an anthology cartoon so i think we should look at these cartoons individually and then we should look at them as a whole as a part of a whole because i don't think consistency wise i don't think they mesh as a whole you know they definitely do not uh but yeah we'll we'll, we'll kind of take one show at a time and discuss our feelings on it and then move on to the next one right exactly yeah, so the first one we'll start with is Camp Minimon, or sorry, the Mini Monsters. Um, Which is funny because it's called Camp. Uh, I'm sorry, it's called the Mini Monsters, but Camp Minimon is such a better name and so much better, like a better branded name or potentially to brand. But uh, no, they went with the Mini Monsters instead. Yeah, which is very weird. But we're going to talk about why the show is so weird, anyways. Uh, so it's about these two siblings. Uh, Sherman and Melissa. Sherman, by the way, is voiced by Seth Green. (laughs) And they are uh, complete tyrants. They are monsters. In the first uh, 30 seconds of the show, they're destroying their house. And I'm like, actually, I think they need a different kind of camp than Camp Minimon. And it has bars around it and barbed wire. And (laughs) And as the parents just like sit there and read the newspaper and the dad's like, I'm the voice of authority and, and, you know, pay attention to me. But yet he's never probably done anything to earn anyone's respect. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is the 80s. This was parenting in the 80s. Just kids, just shut up. Stop talking. Uh, We're not going to deal with your your problems. That's why you're all going to turn out to be 30, 40 year old messed up human beings in, you know, in the 2000s because no one's going to address anything. But yeah, much. Yeah. Just push. You know what? Push it. Push those feelings down and keep an eye on them. Push those feelings down. Push those feelings under the rug. (laughs) They'll never build up and explode. Um, So, yeah, the mom, the dad's being terrorized by the kids but is oblivious. The mom is uh, reading a newspaper ad and sees Camp Minimon and, quote, sounds Indian. So, uh, and according to Bodie, he's like, that's racist, right? And I go, yes, it is. Um, Because it's terrible. And I said, this is a time when we were not thinking about other ethnicities other than Anglo ethnicities. But... Uh, let's poke fun at the minorities. But anyways. And there um, will be more racism to come in, oh, in other cartoons. Just getting started. Oh, we are just getting started. <laughs> they hit all the bases. I think all three of the first shows. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyways, they send them to Camp Minimon, which is a, uh, well, it's literally a camp for monsters. And Count Dracula's there. Frankenstein's there. Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Mummy, Invisible Man. Uh, the camp director is uh, kind of a shadowy organ playing guy who's voiced by Peter Newman. If that name sounds familiar, he's Quicksilver from Silver Hawks. He's also Tigra and Wily Cat in Bengali from Thundercats. Um, and the minute you hear his voice, you're like, oh, I know that dude. Anyways, uh, they get into regular, s- typical sitcom type adventures. I mean, the first one is about Sherman getting turned into an animal and they got to turn him back to a human 
um, the following episodes that follow are like the stomach ache episode or the the alien episode. Yeah, the alien that comes down. Yeah, yeah. But what I find very interesting about this show to to start it off is that all almost all of the characters, all the monsters. All sound like they're from New York because that was like the thing to do back in the day. Everybody put on a New York accent and, and it was wacky. And that's what they pretty much do with most of the characters yeah. on this show. Uh, Corey, what do you think, think of Captain yeah. <laughs> I mean, this one, I'd say on the surface, at first blush, I think this one had the most potential. Totally You could do agree. so much with it. You could have so much fun with these monster types and tropes and stuff like that. Um, but what I found was it was quite uninspired. Um, they, the, the monsters themselves didn't have much personality that I thought that they really captured or, or d- dwelled upon. Like the mummy wanted to be a boxer or something, but I didn't really, they didn't really do much with it. Maybe they did in later episodes. Sure. But right away, I, I don't know. I didn't know, get the whole point of him. Um, and then on top of it, like the first, I've watched two of the episodes, the alien one and the, the one with the, turn the kid into a, you know, a rabbit, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, there was like no moral. There was no point to the story other than to just be a zany <laughs> sort of story, I guess. And yeah. I'm just like, uh, I guess as a kid, I didn't care if there were no morals or anything like that. But as I get older, my idea of like stories and, and storytelling is what is the point of this? What are yeah. you trying to impart um, other than just being blanket entertainment? Because animation is going to be blanket entertainment for a kid, no matter what. You might as well include some kind of moral message in it. I just didn't find any messaging here. And the show starts with the two protagonists being absolute terrors. I'm like, am I supposed to relate to them? And then, you know, they're kind of. I just also didn't relate to the monsters either. Um, so maybe it builds steam over time, but like watching two episodes, I was like, no, this is not for me now. And I don't think it would have been for me back then uh, either. Uh, I'll just finish my final thoughts on Camp Minimon. There's only one camp that I cared about as a kid, and that was Camp Candy. Uh, wow, you you took the words right out of my mouth. Um I was thinking the same thing. Bodie actually pointed out. He's like, why does the mummy have one boxing glove? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> there were these person. They all had these personality quirks that are great. Like I said, it's on paper. Like, OK, it's cool. But then they don't do anything with any of those personality quirks. No, they don't. And like the crow is pretty cool or the raven or whatever he is. He's a cool character. But and there's like funny. The wolfman is like a jokester. Right. Um, But they don't really go anywhere. I'm sure they. Yeah. Like you said, maybe they do. I don't know. We watched all four episodes that are on this block. Yeah. And uh, they got kind of progressively worse. Yeah. when, When you make your main characters like absolute pieces of garbage and just like, <laughs> it's funny to break windows. Gee, gee, gee. You, no, it's not cool. And second of all, I think Corey and I have kind of determined that as much as we love so many of these other cartoons from the eighties, he man and the masters of the universe, their moral messages still hold up. And that, that idea, like whether, whether it was cheesy back then is not cheesy now because we need more moral messages for kids. Um, you know, that might be like the greatest cartoon of all time. Corey thinks that I'm still on the fence. I still think G.I. Joe is. But, you know, I could see why he would think that. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've actually been watching a lot of uh, G.I. Joe and He-Man lately. I think uh, G.I. Joe is timely of its time, and I think it's still fun. But ultimately, man, I think He-Man still holds up to today. And, uh, you know, like on first viewing, and I don't know if G.I. Joe quite quite holds up as well. I don't think the moral messages do necessarily. Well, those are always tacked on at the end. There was an intention with Filmation, and I think Filmation, the legacy of Filmation will only continue to get, like, bigger and more improved as time goes by. Yeah, I think so. Because they put so much thought into it. Camp Minimon is like, it it feels, this feels like uh, someone just pitching whatever they have in the drawer of their desk. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was going to save this for my final thoughts, but it seems like all four of these cartoons are just a hodgepodge thrown together. It doesn't feel like there's any connective tissue. It's just, oh, we have four different concepts that we haven't produced. Let's just, or maybe we've produced some episodes and they haven't gone anywhere. Let's just put them all into this this cartoon block. Um, yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, and Zach and I will rate all four of them in order at the end of what we thought. Um, but uh, yeah, mini monsters is going to be quite low on my list. Well, well let's, let's move on to the next one. Let's get down with the street frogs. Um, <laughs> okay. First of all, Oh boy. So the street frogs is <laughs> more racism, Zach. <laughs> well, Bodie was kind of questioning that. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I mean, they're, they're, it's about a group of frogs that are, or an <clears throat> quote, urban group of frogs that uh, form a band and try to hit the big time. And basically, every episode is about them trying to earn more money. Which uh, they to, call seed? Is that the seed they keep wanting, <laughs> they keep referring to? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, lot, there's, a, there's a character on the show, like the DJ, uh, who... He's, you know, he's like, get on the hop line and I'm sticky. I'm wet. Like everything is, is a pun with frogs. Right. And, and the, um, uh, there's a rap song in every episode, which I actually kind of dig. I think it's cool. Um, the characters, there's big Max who's voiced by Bob McFadden. And again, if that name sounds familiar, he was snarf on Thundercats, and I think he was a couple characters on Tiger Sharks, and we'll, we'll get to that later. Snarf, one of my least favorite cartoon characters of all time. I will say Snarf probably is the least favorite sidekick in the history of action animated shows. Agreed. I will take. Uh, I will take. Uh, I will take. I'll take Orko. Cringer any day. Yep. Uh, I will take, but Cringer, Snarf is basically Cringer. Yeah, but Cringer, Cringer turned into Battle Cat. Yeah, Snarf turned into, oh wait, that's right, he didn't turn into anything. <laughs> Snarf sucked. And I think they corrected that in the Tiger, the Thundercats reboot uh, on Cartoon Network in the early 2000s. They corrected Snarf. They they didn't give him a voice. He just, like, he was like more of just like a side character. Gotcha, gotcha. It, you know, Snarf is snarf but snarf is snarf let's get to the other characters in this in this show so there's big max like i said spider moose the loose and honey love who's voiced by tanya willoughby but it's a shame because you go to look her up and you can't find anything for her at least on wikipedia um and dr slick and then there's uh there's a 
character named Snappy Sam, who runs the diner. Snappy Sam is important to mention because his, he's voiced by Ron Taylor. And Ron Taylor, if you look him up, he played Audrey Tube on the Broadway version of Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Um, but he's had a pretty awesome career on screen in the 80s. So in Trading Places, he was big black guy. Uh, he's in, uh, Yeah, and, and he was the one in the, the jail cell. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was actually was that the, it might have been the other guy who was actually talking and the other yeah, guy yeah. Went, yeah. I, I think it was the other guy with the he had sort of like longer hair sort of slicked back yeah i think that was him he and is, the guy next to him was one that would say yeah yes that's right that's right in the ice pirates he was pimp robot i love ice pirates man <laughs> exterminator 2 he was dude uh we still haven't covered that one yet uh indiana jones in the temple of doom he was lao shay the voice of lao shay Okay, okay. I think in the beginning. Uh, but he was in Who's That Girl? He was in Dead Heat, which we've talked about. He was one of the shootout zombies. Yep, yep. He's been in movies like Second Sight, Heart Condition, Downtown, uh, Second Mighty Sight with, wait, with Wait, is that, with, is that the one with John Cat? Yes, and Bronson <laughs> Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, right? He was on Night Court. He was on 321 Contact, Miami Vice. Uh, I mean, come on, like that should be, you know, heralded. Anyways, he he's one of the highlights of the show. Um, The the, the show is primarily African-American cast, which is great uh, because most of these would be like white actors portraying black actors. There was always a musical number. It's it's a very cliche, like let's make it as a band kind of thing with wacky antics ensuing. It's not terrible. It's okay. Um, it's, as Bodie would say, it's fine. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Street Frogs? <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a vast improvement over the Mini Monsters. Um, I liked how they had a purpose. Like, with the Mini Monsters, again, I was saying, maybe it's just not the moral message. It just They had no purpose. They were just at camp, and shenanigans, stupid shenanigans happened. Here... I liked how the band had, you know, ambition. I like how they're they're trying to do something, you know. And I, I, you know, they want to make their seed. I was like, why don't they just call it money? But okay, fine. Um, and I actually liked the the songs that like I liked how musical it was. I very much enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, animation wise, it was okay. It was it was serviceable. It was, it was passable. Um, but overall, I think I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed their mission here. Like I enjoyed the fact that they had a they had something that they were trying to accomplish and I guess it's going to it's going to keep being the through line through the whole series is them trying to gain exposure and stuff like that. But that it's a very relatable thing for especially for us, you know, we're artists and everything. I understood this. I understood their their passion and I understood them, you know, wanting to eat because I believe artists should be able to should be paid and, you know, agreed, yeah. make a living doing what they want to do. And I also understood, you know, what they had to do to get there. So all in yeah. all, I thought the Street Frog Frogs was was very entertaining. Um, I enjoyed this one a lot, actually. Oh, that's good to hear. I know there's one episode where they like where the where the DJ, the radio DJ takes the day off or he goes on vacation and they fill in for him and they get their music on and, and everyone loves it. Right. And that's, I feel like that could have been the finale of the show. Like they hit the big time finally. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's street frogs. 
Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Manic Movie Monday, where one person's trash is another person's treasure. Here we celebrate the trash, the treasure, and everything in between. You know when women get stressed, we take a bath. There's a lot to unpack with this movie. Spoiler alert. Prison is not like reform school girls, and I really wish somebody would have told me. We're catfishing serial killers. We're just trying on clothes without tags and seeing what fits. Everyone is wearing mail-order lingerie. So join us every other Monday and stay manic. And now, back to the show. Kiao, baby, let's talk about Karate Cat. He's mean, he's lean, he's a fighting machine. Kiao, baby. Uh, Karate (laughs) Cat is about a private investigating cat who uses his karate to fight crime in his town. Uh, Usually he's fighting Big Papa and his two lackeys, Boom Boom Burmese and Sumo Sai. And his boss at the (laughs) McClaw's detective agency is Big Mama McClaw. Um, The voice of Karate Cat is Bob McFadden, once again, that I mentioned earlier. And uh, one of the main, one of the uh, co-workers that Karate Cat has is Dr. Katmandu, K-A-T, voiced by Larry Kenny. If that name sounds familiar, he is the voice of Lion-O from Thundercats. He's also the voice of Bluegrass and Silverhawks, one of my personal favorites, and Dolph in Tiger Sharks. He's also the voice of Count Chocula and Sonny the Cuckoo My least favorite bird. T- tiger shark, by the way, Dolph. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dolph is probably my least favorite tiger shark, but I always thought Bluegrass was kind of cool with the guitar and oh, he's yeah. the pilot of the ship, right? Yeah, no, I liked Bluegrass. Um, Zach and I famously are, are on opposite ends when it comes to shipwreck on G.I. Joe. Zach loves him. I'm not the biggest fan. But uh, That's true. Bluegrass, I loved Bluegrass. I thought he was cool as shit, dude. Yeah, and the figure was cool. The figure, mm-hmm. I still have the figure. He had like a mohawk and a cowboy hat that fit yeah. over his mohawk. Yeah, I loved when you ever you took off his cowboy hat, he had that badass mohawk. I always thought yeah. that was super cool. Oh, they were so ahead of their time. Um, anyways, yeah, Karate Cat is very formulaic. It, 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 I don't think it lasted. I think it lasted the least out of the three cartoons, but... Uh, Karate Cat sounds like Stallone to me. When he talks, yes. he talks like Stallone. <laughs> My first note here. <laughs> Is that supposed to be Sylvester Stallone? Right. And uh, Lady Lovely Locks is a funny character on the show, too. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. No, we're not going to talk about that. And We'll get to that later. Uh, and, you know, they've got characters like Meow Baby. Uh, um, Meow Baby, who's voiced by Maggie Wheeler, yep. and she's known for Jan- being Janice on Friends. She, yeah, and also uh, she was a voice on uh, Mini Monsters. She was Jinx the Witch as well. So, she, yeah, That's she right. was doing a lot of voice acting earlier in her career, and then, yeah, she's became more of a screen actor later. Yeah, yeah, so Karate Cat, again, is like... It had one segment on this link that is in our show notes. Uh, it's only 10 minutes long. It goes by really fast. It like ends before it even starts because you're like, wait, w- what just happened? Yeah. Um, but it's, he, like, again, figures it out like in the first five minutes or something. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's not bad. I actually, I actually thought this one had more legs, um, but, you know, didn't really prove to be successful for them either. Yeah, this one I thought was a bit problematic. Uh, there was a very racist character in this one. I guess it's supposed to be sort of odd job esque, right? From James Bond. I think Bond. it's Sumo Sai, right? Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, Sumo Sai is this. Uh, yeah, he's a cat. Uh, very racist, Asian racist. Yep. Um, 
yeah, I, I couldn't... You know what? I could not connect to the main character, the Karate Cat guy. I couldn't connect to him because of the voice. And I was just like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit the character. Um, and I was just like, uh, it was a weird barrier for me. And then, like, <laughs> you know, he turns into his karate clothes. And I'm like, that seems a bit less practical than the clothes you were actually just wearing like i don't even see the need for you to turn into this kung what was it kung fu fui type of thing you know total like, rip off of kung fu yeah, yeah. Yep. so this was a kung fu slash heath slash heathcliff <laughs> hodgepodge ripoff and i can yes. see why this one's not gonna last to be truthful with you um yeah it, it, you know, and then like on top of it, it's in a, it's a, it's a world where animals are 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 sentient, but yet the crocodile isn't. That always confused me as a kid. It's like why is Pluto why is Goofy sentient but Pluto isn't? You know, and stuff like that. Um, and it just yeah, it didn't. I didn't connect with Karate Cat at all. To be completely honest with you, dude, that this one was the one that was the hardest for me to sort of get into. Like with with mini monsters. I understood what they were trying to do, and I just think they failed doing it. Here, I was just like, I don't even see the appeal of the pitch, you know, like the elevator pitch of this one. I just don't even see the appeal of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally see what you're saying. I feel like that's probably the reason why it wasn't as successful as the other ones, you know? Um, So moving on, Tiger Sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hold on. You, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Karate Cat. um, About the racism in it? (laughs) It's it's the most racist of of all four of the cartoons. The only thing it did not have was a gong after (laughs) someone talked. Now, it was not as racist as the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure cartoon. That will always go down. At least that one episode will always go down as the single most racist cartoon we've ever covered on TV Obscura. And you're welcome. (laughs) But Zach, you you said you kind of liked his voice and everything. So did his voice appeal to you? Did the Sylvester Stallone voice appeal to you of, of the Karate Cat guy? Or you know, I'm just. Curious. I think so. He it didn't fit the character, but it was kind of a cool voice. I'm like, I like this kind of cool voice. And watching it now in 2023, I'm like, was this the early test pilot that they were making because it feels like that it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot going on in this episode to flesh it out it just feels like oh we're just going to test this animation footage footage we're just going to test this animation footage and see what happens uh that's what it feels like to me i think it just i wanted to like it more than than it probably did you know what i mean i probably i I want as a kid i probably wanted to like it because i liked well let's pause for a moment and and reflect on the fact that I saw Fritz the cat when I was like probably eight or nine years old. My brother brought this home and we watched it and I was like, what's this? Oh God. Um, because it's basically a porno with animals. Yeah. And Ralph Bakshi, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I was like, Oh, karate cat animals. And I'm still a little kid. That would have been a whole lot better to watch this than Fritz the cat. Um, I, yeah, I can see why, you didn't like it and I can see why I think I probably liked it from the perspective of, I I wanted to hope I idealized it more than I actually, when it came to fruition and like, "Eh, it's not that good. Yeah. And I understand that with the, the desire to want to like something and for for something to be better than it. Yeah. Uh, were you ever a Heath, uh, uh, Garfield versus Heathcliff. Which one was? Your I actually favorite? liked Heathcliff more. Me too, buddy. I was a Heathcliff kid growing up. Yeah, I never got Garf. I mean, I got Garfield. I got the appeal, but I think 
Heathcliff is like punk rock and yeah. Garfield is like mainstream pop. And though I love mainstream yeah. pop, uh, I'd like the, the edgier side with his cool hat. Yeah. There were in the, the cat thing was popular. Like you said, the Hong Kong Fui was the dog. Um, but there was like Top Cat was another character that was kind of popular. Snagglepuss. Oh, Snagglepuss. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Existence left even. Obviously, Pink Panther was a popular character to have for kids. This was biting off of all that stuff and failed. Yeah, this was the do- cat version of Hong Kong Fui. Which I think is also racist too, right? That's racist. Oh, yes, very, very much so. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, there were a lot of a... there were a lot of cat cartoons in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, there were. Weird, <laughs> weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and there weren't a lot of monster shows. I feel like the Groovy Ghoulies was the only thing that I can think of monster-wise that was like a comedy monster thing for kids. Yeah, you know, there was I mean, obviously the real the the Ghostbusters, but that but the monsters weren't the main characters, right? And then Teen Wolf, but there's only one monster, yeah. um, in it. Uh, I'm saying like an ensemble of yeah, monsters. yeah. No, I know because like in the Monster Force isn't going to come out until the '90s. You would just you would just think. Well, all right, uh, let's talk about that in our in our full wrap up when we talk about all all okay, of them then. together because I do want to also mention. Because I'll say it now, like this Karate Cat one, this episode he also didn't have like any kind of moral or like some kind of that they're, they're sort of imparting. It's just a thing that happens and he solves it, you know. So I in the in the wrap up discussion of all of this, I not on wrap up after dark, but in this episode, I want to talk about how important having like an actual moral to the 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 episode is versus not, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. All right, but let's get into the best cartoon of this whole entire block. Yeah. Who's got a tiger by the tail? Hold on, tiger shocks. Tiger shocks. Um. So Tiger Sharks is a spinoff of Thundercats and Silverhawks. They in the Thunderhawk Thunderhawks in the Thunder in the Thundercats uh, reboot by Cartoon Network in the early 2000s. They even have an Easter egg homage to Tiger Sharks and Silverhawks at really? the tail end of the initial miniseries run of Thundercats. Yeah. It's like on a monitor or something. Um, so, so they're a shared universe then. Uh, uh, Tiger Sharks, Thundercats, and Silverhawks are a shared universe. Okay. Um, I remember that that Thundercats reboot. I enjoyed it, but I probably liked the Four Horsemen He-Man uh, reboot uh, a bit more, and I maybe oh. I might have watched that more as well. Um, I remember this one kind of got canceled a little bit unceremoniously, didn't it? The not this it one, did the Thundercats one. Yeah, because the initial Thundercats miniseries that came out uh, was it like obvious uh, rip off? Uh, sorry, obvious uh, nods to Lord of the Rings, obvious nods to you know the hero's journey, um, and then it continued. The series continued after that for I think like I forget how many episodes, but it it yeah it got canceled like mid mid season or something, which is a real bummer. Because if you watch the miniseries as a whole, it's kind of perfect. It doesn't need to have the extra episodes, but the other episodes are really good. I have grown to love it uh, over the years because I've rewatched it with Bodhi. But Tiger Sharks, <laughs> talking about Tiger Sharks, uh, is a 
is a show about a group of humans who uh, discover a, uh, well, one of the humans uh, creates a fish tank, which converts them from humans into fish form. Walro is like the scientist of the group, um, and he is the one who creates that. The other characters on the show are Mako, Dolph, Octavia, Lorca, Bronk, and Angel and Gup. Gup is a dog who becomes a fish as yeah. well. <laughs> so and yeah, basic- it doesn't work on. It doesn't just work on humans. It works on dogs as well. It, yeah, it works on all of them, and it's and they literally become uh, versions of their names, right? So. Uh, I think you can all kind of figure out what they become. <laughs> Thank God your name isn't like Turd Ferguson or something, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, it's clearly it's like the technology works where that you just become what your name is. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And and it's stressed in the first episode, and I don't think it's ever brought up again, but this is their only way to convert to and from their body form. Um you know, one episode would be great if they blew up the machine and then like, how do they get back? But they never did that. So they face off against a group of villains known as the Mantenas and their leader is T-Ray. What up, T-Ray? And um, T-Ray and his cohorts uh, un- in the opening episode, which is the basically the pilot, they free Captain Bizarrely. And um, his dragon, (laughs) Dragonstein, Uh, so Dragonstein uh, from Siberia. And they have like Russian accent sort of. And they're trapped in ice and they freeze them from ice. Um, In that opening episode, I think it's Lorca who is is captured by the Mantenas and they are... He eventually gets rescued by the tiger sharks and, you know, all hell breaks loose. No, um, that the, they they live in Watero. That's the that's the world they inhabit. And there are Waterians who basically look like sea monkeys. Yeah. And um, that's the premise of the show. It's basically the same format as Thunderhawks and silver sorry yeah you keep oh my god i I, I love it this is great i would love for someone to do a mashup of thunderhawks and like (laughs) i mean it could happen so they it's the same premise in many ways uh as thunderhawks silverhawks silverhawks and thundercats guys and gals i think we broke zach by the way (laughs) you did my dog was barking it's in the afternoon yeah we're we're recording midday we're we're neither of us are drinking currently we're this is the weirdest episode we've ever recorded (laughs) and probably will be the best episode however blacking giallo um so this show you know had the adventure this the the follow-up episode to this one is bronk and Angel find one of the Mantena's uh, vehicles and they take it from them. And there's two, uh, basically the same voice of Schnarf. Weak Fish and Carper are like the weakling uh, bad guys who don't want to get wet. <laughs> and everything sounds like this. And it gets really annoying really fast. However, it's kind of endearing. Like, I kind of like it. I think as a kid, I would have been annoyed. Because all I wanted to see was action, 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 action yeah. at this point. Yep. Mm. Um, that's probably why I watched the hell out of this show versus the other ones on comic strip. Um, 
really quickly, there was a toy line for this. Uh, for these guys and I think it failed miserably when it initially came out the figures were cool they had like a conversion thing there where their uh, alternate head was in their chest and you basically oh, flip the for, head over yeah okay uh if you go on eBay now it's ridiculous because people sell are selling these for like hun- several hundred dollars for like broken figures and it's a joke I don't think anybody should do that uh, why Super 7 has not jumped on board the Tiger Shark line is beyond me because it is ripe for a reboot. It is absolutely ripe. Silverhawks, too. I mean, if they did it with Thundercats, maybe because Thundercats didn't prove to be so successful, that's why they didn't do that with Silverhawks and Tiger Sharks. Look, I didn't make a mistake that time. <laughs> um, I love this show. I think this show is super cool. Uh, it, it, the, the animation, I think is what you mentioned. The animation to the intro is phenomenal. Spectacular. Just like Thundercats, just like Silverhawks, the overall episodes, you're having to do a lot more episodes. So it makes sense that these are the qualities, not as good, but it's still really good. Oh, I'd say from what I saw, the, the interior of the episodes were better than Thundercats' animation. Uh, for me, growing up. I was a big Thundercats fan, but I look back on it now. That intro is everything for Thundercats. It's one of the best of all time. But the the animation style, when you actually get into the show itself, is such there is such a giant gap between the intro and everything. This I actually felt did a damn good job. Like the interior animation did a damn good job. Um, as I was watching it, I realized I had some familiarity with, with it when I saw the walrus guy. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Um, I like the animation. Walro, yeah. I like the animation. Um, I like the setup because they kind of came from Earth. Um, they didn't, and then they go to Watero because they get, you know, a distress signal type of thing. Although I wasn't yeah. sure if they, now they spend the rest of their time on that planet or do they kind of go out and do they go back to Earth? Do they do other things? Um, I found it also interesting that I thought that them being able to turn into these creatures was a thing from right from the beginning and hence why all of their vehicles were designed to look like, you know, whales and sharks and stuff. It's like, no, we designed everything to look like underwater creatures and then we learned how to turn into underwater creatures. Right, uh, this th- is like an afterthought. Oh, and by the way, I invented this machine because I'm yes, scary that- smart. I thought that that was a little <laughs> weird. I think they should have just had them. Because here's the thing. The funny thing in the pilot episode, they were like, we have four minutes to prepare for launch. So they have like just a little bit of time. So then Walrera's guy, Walrera, he's like, oh, let me show you this thing real quick. We just have four minutes. Let me show you this life-changing, world-rattling technology. And, you know, it's just like, I'm like, Wow. What a way to just sort of undersell it. Why didn't you just have it at the beginning? Uh, just have them already have that ability from the get-go. I just thought, thought that was really weird. Um, and it was also weird in the fact that, you know, the show starts with, like, the main bad guys just zipping around this planet, and they see some other people frozen in ice, and they're like, hey, they look frozen in ice. You know what we should do? We should burn them. And it's like, I'm like, so were they, were they trying to kill them? But then the yeah. burning of them just releases them. And then I was like, well, okay, are they – and then now these, these bad guys are also going to be, like, the bad guys. And I'm just like, the first episode had some weird setups. That's all I'm saying because overall it's really cool and you don't need these weird-ass setups. You could have just had the bad guys be the bad guys. You could have just had them have their powers from the beginning. 
but it was just really, really odd. Um, bad guys were cool looking. I liked uh, the manta ray looking guy, the the main guy. T-Ray. T-Ray. I liked him. Um, <laughs> I liked the chick. She t- turned into hot octopus head, so, you know, she's going to do some hentai shit with those tentacles, man. Um, and- <laughs> wow. Octavia. <laughs> Octavia. Um and then I By the also... way, by the way, she her figure was never released and I had this whole rant, not rant, but discussion with Bodie about this, about 80s toys. And and we've talked about this before. They never released a figure for her. Yeah. Because like there's there was this lame idea that boys would not play with girl characters right gi joe was one of the few that did that i think or he-man too but he- like He-Man, come no, on. i mean obviously teela and everything but yeah gi joe i think had a bit more although we never i don't think we ever got a cover girl uh figure they made back a cover the girl did they okay they, they okay. did i just i never had it and i know she's rare to get okay she was hard, she was okay. basically she was scarlet with uh like a scarlet variation on scarlet with blonde hair instead of red hair and as a kid, I was I always wanted um, in mask the the girl with the yellow helmet, and then the bad girl. They didn't make a toy of the bad girl either, with the purple hair or whatever. Nope. She was kind of a, a Zatanna, Zorana ripoff. Zorana, yeah, yeah. She was a little bit of a ripoff of her, but I liked her. I know R- Ramen Toys is a is a site you guys should go on. They're on Instagram. They're making like a uh, what do you call that? Uh, unlicensed or uh, yeah 80s commandos or something like that so they put out the the centurion figures but they're called 80s commandos even though they look exactly like the centurions Um, yeah and then they're making some really awesome mask uh stuff you know they're recreating all the figures and vehicles but they're making the figures the same same scale but they're making them more articulated and so they have more uh, joints yeah. to move. And I think they're making the female version as well. She came with a Porsche. And, yeah. Um, she, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're making her. Uh, they, I think they make a Silver Hawk. I think they make uh, Quicksilver. Anyways. Yeah. Cool and the, they're cool. Ch- check out Robin Toys. Uh, I follow them on Instagram. I'm, I always enjoy everything they put. I don't own anything, but I, I like it looks good. You know, um, <laughs> the only other thing I, I wanted to just kind of weird thing I wanted to call out uh, the head of the council of the people who run that planet, water, whatever, Watero. Um, Watero. <laughs> uh, his name was Papa Gallows. And uh, anytime I hear that name, I always think of uh, uh, Road Warrior. Um, the, oh the, yeah, the good guy, the, the head, the blonde head, good guy or whatever, the British dude, his name was Papa Gallows. And I always thought that was a, an interesting name and it popped up here and I actually paused it just to kind of go check it and double check and everything. But yeah, I've, I've only ever heard that name twice, once in Road Warriors, once in Tiger Sharks. That's so. interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I, 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 look, I, uh, I know that most of the episodes of Tiger Sharks are on, youtube uh for example and it never got a proper like dvd release probably because it was under the banner of comic strip i know it eventually got its own time slot which is cool um but you know it's a shame like i feel like they had so much potential to do more with this show but they just never did and i think you know thundercats had come and gone silverhawks had come and gone tiger sharks was the last kind of uh road to travel on and they kind of petered out, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the problem is that you're kind of limited to water, so like everything sort of has to be water based. Which I unless had it's no... Water World, right? <laughs> exactly. I even liked uh, the inside the ship 
of the bad guys was all also like water inside. So they were kind of like swimming around it inside their own ship. I thought that was a really cool concept. Um, I didn't think that the other villains like uh, Dragonstein or whatever and the captain were, were very... Dragonstein. I didn't think they were very inspired, like their designs. But the but T-Ray was cool. Like I liked him and I just wish all the other... I wish it would have been more of like a... Transformer scenario where everyone's kind of from the same planet, so there's some sort of inherent, uh, you know, design elements that yeah. kind of, you know, whereas like, because you could tell, I guess, like, well, but they're not from the same planet because a lot of I, the setup for Tiger Sharks is the thing that's holding it back the most, and that's the totally. Thing. Hey, here's the problem: it, it they overcomplicated it. The creators overcomplicated it when. Even as a kid, when I, I mean, I look back on this show and I think back on it, I didn't know they transformed. Just make no. them in their tiger shark form all the time and just have it be like Thundercats. I don't see, I don't see them doing anything special with the transformation back and forth. Like, I don't really see the writers incorporating something interesting there, you know. So if you're not going to do that... You know, if you're not going to, like, say, you know, hold that pool technology hostage in some episodes so they can't change back. If there's no time limit on, like, oh, we can't stay in tiger form for too long, otherwise we get stuck that way. It's like, just make them that way. I didn't understand the need for all this added bloat to it. Yeah, it'd be one thing if they, like, had to go undercover in their tiger, in their, in their fish form, and they... And they could, but in their human form, they were known as something else, right? Like it was their secret identity to the bad guys, at least, you know. Uh, or oh, make them, Mako make is here. How about this? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so have them only be limited in how long they can stay in human form and on land. And, you know, maybe have it be that they work with the government, but people think that they're humans, but they're really not. They're really these aliens and maybe a few. Like, that. that's a way to utilize the transformation aspect. It doesn't seem like they're really setting anything up to utilize it here. It's just they were, you know, they just turn into shark people and they can get these powers. It's like, well, I would just stay that way then. Right, right. I know. And they don't. They don't right. do that. But overall, and we'll just get into the final thoughts of the whole the whole anthology. Overall, this was the strongest cartoon. The animation oh, was sure. great. Um, I have a feeling that this was probably produced first, and they were like, "Well, what are we going to do with it?" You know, and they maybe built the other shows around it. Um, possibly, I, I don't know. Um, but it's just quality-wise, this one outshines every other show. It's it's definitely the star of the bunch for sure. Um, and, I, and, you know, in the episodes that I did watch of Tiger Sharks here, you know, maybe there wasn't a moral, but, you know, you know, them having to go rescue Orca or Lorca, whatever that guy was. Lork that, Lorca. Like, Lorca. Like that already is instilling a moral. It's showing, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're standing up for their friend, you know, camaraderie. It's just they, these kind of things are just sort of inherent to these action shows, you know, you can put people in danger and have someone rescue them. And that kind of gives you this sense of, of morality and everything versus many monsters where they're just at a camp getting into shenanigans. And then at the end of the episode, nothing really happens. So I, I feel like there's two shows. The two strongest shows for me here are, uh, uh, tiger sharks and street frogs. Um, because I think both of them also had like a, 
the, the characters in there had a purpose of something to do overall, not just a purpose of something to do in that particular moment and episode. Do you know what I mean when I'm when yeah. saying that? No, I think that's, that's accurate. I agree with that. Um, I think that, uh, that the camp Minimon was ripe for moral messages to send to kids like in the first episode they could have had the two brats be like gosh we're so mean to our parents and like you know meanwhile they're like we're having a great time you know and it's it's nothing is pot nothing gets resolved as far as their attitudes because guys they are like the biggest pieces of crap on the planet they what they do to their house and their family and everything i'm just like oh this is this this makes you not want to have kids basically uh, because trust me, I know kids that do act like this. And, and so there are kids like this in the world and now they're running for president. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think that street frogs has a, has really cool opportunities, to, but I think it's also like a, a more mature subject matter, you know, teenagers wanting to become like rap artists that I don't think would appeal to younger kids in the animation makes it very young. Yeah. And I got the sense that they were a bit older too. Like they were working jobs and stuff in in that show. And yeah, I I would say that one is probably the most mature theme of all of them because, you know, I mean, yeah, Tiger Sharks is mature because it's kind of like, it seems like an older cartoon. It's for the action and everything, but the themes in Street Frogs is more mature because yeah, they're talking about getting their break in in the music industry, you know, making, they're, they're talking about realistic stuff. Like they need to make enough money so they can rent you know a studio to cut a demo like these are real world things and i like that i enjoyed that it sounds like boogie nights to me we need to take that magic on those tapes i mean it's the radio stations you don't fucking get it bert ah dude it totally is and i mean yeah i wouldn't be surprised if 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 somehow street frogs was in the back of his mind when he was writing thomas anderson yeah you know he watched. You know what I feel like doing watched, right now? I feel like kicking some ass. You know he watched comic strip when he was a kid. You know. <laughs> Come on, yeah. I, I think you know, like this is a perfect example of nostalgia being more um, nostalgia being that hell of a drug. Like you know, fueling that. Oh my god, comic strip was amazing. And then you watch it, you're like, man, it was okay. Tiger Sharks definitely. I agree with you with the order. I feel like. Tiger Shark, Street Frogs, Karate Cat, and Camp Minimon. Yeah, I, that's that's mine too. Yeah, that's top to bottom. Yeah, and and as and as far as uh, as far as Bodie's concerned, I feel like he said the same thing. He's like the cool one was Tiger Sharks. The rest were kind of. Mm. <laughs> and that's the thing. I had no nostalgia going into this, so I'm watching it completely. You know, sober, stone cold sober at, at the age of 45 in 2023. And, you know, it did teach me that I was like, you know, what? I do look for some kind of a message in my cartoons or my shows or just a point. Yes. It doesn't have to be ham fisted. It doesn't have to be like, oh, this is the right way to do something. But I need some kind of a point for my cartoon, especially if it's just wild zany antics like camp minimon we keep calling it it's, it's called mini monsters camp Sorry. minimon is so much better that, that, that should have been the name right there um but you look at that show and they just have nothing 
to say. They're, they're like the creators, the writers, yeah. they really have nothing to say. They're just creating situations that they think kids are going to like to sort of sell this cartoon. Whereas Street Sharks and and I think Street Sharks, Street Sharks, Jesus, <laughs> Street Frogs had the most to say, but Tiger Sharks was the most entertaining. And then for me, Street Cat, Karate Cat. Karate Cat. <laughs> This is what happens when no alcohol is in my body. Or Zach's, too. We can't get anything right. Karate Cat was the most racist and just the most bizarre. Like I just like I said, I didn't even get the the pitch of this one. I don't even get what we're what we're trying to even do here. Like and, and then the weirdly, the main guy, Karate Cat, after I watched the episode, I felt like I didn't know any more about him. I felt like I knew more about the villains than I did him. They didn't do anything with him. He was just there. I was like, how is he connected to this to this boss lady, this call, this call lady? I was like, oh, he, he works for her? I don't want to f- watch a cartoon about the guy who works for someone who's stronger than him. Like, th- He should be the guy. He should be the guy running in his own private detective agency, right? Not working. I was so thrown off by that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um I just appreciate it. I like Sylvester Stallone. And I didn't get that at all. Like, and by, so, by the way, so Neil Ross he... was the uh, voice of Sylvester. <laughs> Neil, Ro- Neil Ross was the voice of uh, Rambo in the animated series. And wasn't he the uh, voice of Shipwreck on G.I. Joe, too? I believe he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Karate Cat, man. I, I didn't get that one at all, dude. Like, seriously, I didn't, I didn't get it. But okay, so as a whole, the, the you know, looking at this thing from a whole... I very much enjoyed the jingle. I enjoyed the the comic strip theme song. C O M I C. Yep. S T R I P. Come on, take a trip on the comic strip. And I get the idea, the concept of of what it's called, and in putting these cartoons together. And I guess ultimately, you know, you don't need to have any kind of thread keeping them together because the comic strip aspect is that. Although they don't really feel like comic strips come to life, so the title itself is sort of, you know, not really connected to the whole. But, yep. I mean, it's kind of a, of a mixed bag. The animation styles sort of don't meld and don't sort of fit together. They all look very different. Street uh, Street Frogs is probably the, the most crude of all the animation. Um, yep. Tiger Sharks is the best uh karate cat and and mini monsters is just is serviceable i guess um but the 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 animation just didn't seem to to connect and and flow together between all of them agreed no i totally agree i totally agree i feel like um you know the camp (laughs) mini mon doesn't feel like has the worst animation i think of all three yeah, probably. And Tiger Sharks has the best. Yes, agreed. And and you feel like, you know, it, yeah, they they feel rushed. Like, oh, we just got to get these things out there. I, I would love to under I would love to understand the motivation as to why they threw all these together. Yeah, why uh, did you why did you pick these? Like, and also yeah. too, it's the age stuff. Like, the mini monsters felt like it was for such a younger age group than any of the other ones that one felt like it was the youngest and then street street sharks tiger sharks felt 
you know, more for like the, the, my age group at the time, even though I didn't find this, it felt like it was probably more for my age. And then street frogs felt like it was kind of a little bit older, almost like, like almost fat Alberty esque yeah. smidge. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, for sure. Though fat Albert's animation was fantastic. And that was it another was. filmation show too. Yep. It was. I grew up on fat Albert. I love that cartoon. So do kid. I. It's too bad. Our, the, the guy behind it's a POS. And that's why, like, you know, Fat Albert and the Cosby Show will will disappear into history because he's a piece of shit. Even though so many great messages were come from the Cosby Show. Wow. I mean, so it's, many. It's it's amazing. Um, but real quick, Zach, uh, before we, you know, finish things here, um, the the YouTube video that we watched did have a bunch of 80s cartoons that were oh my God. great. It sure so. did. <laughs> Sorry, In my, fact, one of the car one of the commercials was for um one of the commercials was for uh, Corky, Cricket's little brother. Right. It's my real best friend. And this was it's so interesting. The 80s were about like, I guess there were a lot of single children. Because this seems to I appeal was. for like the people that meet. I, I wasn't, but, you know, I could see why. Like my buddy was popular, but Corky was a total ripoff. Total ripoff of my buddy. And to speak to that point, Zach, I never got into the Corky or the My Buddy or, or My Pet Monster, although I kind of thought he was kind of neat. Um, but I do understand that they were marketed at people like me. I had no siblings. I was a latchkey kid. And, yeah, I had friends, but I didn't actually have very many friends in my neighborhood. My closest friends were, like, Luke. I couldn't walk to them. Like, I'd have to be driven to their house. So I did spend, like, a lot of my school days and stuff, you know, just kind of playing with my self that sounds terrible but you know what i mean uh and i got as a kid like even as a kid i understood that it was marketing towards me but i was just like i was like no i don't, I don't want that i like having imagination with my toys but i don't treat them as, i never treated them as a person so i never understood that concept i was never into like a weird doll to yeah. to, to supplement a real friend um that's why i was so glad when child's play came out which this might be a little bit of a hot take. I don't think it's as good as everyone makes it out to be. Everyone pops boners over Child's Play. I don't think it is like that amazing. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, but it just didn't like wow me. Um, but but this cricket character is weird. Did you recognize that kid? Because I think he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Demon Child or Dream Child or whatever. It looked like it kind of looked like the kid from from Children of the Corn, but I know it wasn't. But he had those bug eyes, and he yeah, he kind of looked like the Dream Child kid. But I think that kid might have been a little bit younger. But I know what you're talking about. He had those freaking bug eyes. That actor, actually, his name is Whit Hertford, um, who's only a couple years. He was born in '78, by the way. Okay, so uh, my age. He was in Jurassic Park as yep. well. He was that He's, kid who's like, you know, yep. with a raptor claw. Yep. Yeah. He was in Nightmare 5, the dream child. Anyways. Yeah. What's I think what's more disturbing is the animation that they do for him. And I'm like, ooh, because in that quirky, you guys have to see it's in the, it's the opening to this uh, yeah. YouTube thing. It's really it's right away. But the um that that's great. Then the. <laughs> and I remember one. that commercial, by the way. I, I remember it. Totally. I was watching. I remember all these commercials, especially the uh, Wilford Brimley uh, Quaker instant oatmeal commercial, too. Wilford Brimley. What did he say? He had a line in there that was so funny. Um, uh, he's like, you smell that or something. You know, it's good for you and it tastes good, too, or some bullshit. I'm like, oh, God, I miss Wilford Brimley. I know. Um, then there was a commercial for Battle Beasts. Yes. You, gosh, do you remember how awesome those were? 
Yeah, dude, especially I enjoyed the commercial because um, the, the set that the kid was in had so many Battle Beasts figures everywhere, and I thought it was awesome. And, and this particular commercial was showing off like the vehicles and whatnot, which I never had. But I just I didn't like, have the vehicles too, and I was like, why didn't I have those? <laughs> yeah, I never had them either. I only had the the Battle Beasts themselves. Um, but I love those old commercials. I remember loving um, like the old Star Wars commercials and GI Joe commercials where they would make like play areas scenes for the for the vehicles and stuff and they would kind of look like what they're supposed to look like like hoth you know and remember like they would have like um styrofoam cups upside down cut out with like little doors and that's how they made like the turrets and i was like that's so cool like as a kid it's like that's so smart um i loved all that shit i love seeing the sets that they created for these toys and that battle beast one was fantastic it was so cool, and for those of you that don't know what Battle Beasts are, they had like a little hologram on their chest, and it would reveal their power, like their their elemental power, basically. They were great. They were like pocket heroes. They were very, they may be an inch and a half tall, maybe two inches, and they were different animals. They were really cool looking. Um, again, They're actually another... a part of the Transformers universe, but when oh. they came... Yeah, it, 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 they originally started as part of the Transformers universe. That's why they have all those robotic parts on them. Um, oh, cool. But when they brought them over here, they brought them as their own, you know, separate you know, product and everything. Um, oh, but because I think, Transformers, yeah. Sorry. I, I think, no, I think in the car, the comics or the car, somehow they, they actually recently, like in IDW uh, stuff, comic books, recent comics, and Transformers, I think they actually brought them in. They finally made that connection happen, you know. Oh, that's cool. They, they were very unique and uh, I, I mean I love them um, I did too I, I, I also loved the light bright commercial because I forgot that they had uh, the Ghostbusters license as well <laughs> yeah so if you've seen if you haven't seen 8-bit Christmas I don't want to spoil it for you but light bright has a connection to okay. that yeah and um, and so I, Bodie's like, what's? Did it have a jingle or did it have a song? And I would sing it to him. He's like, oh, that's terrible. And then we saw the commercial. He's like, oh, that's the song you sing. Anyways, um, a s'mores cereal was cool. Yep. There was a s'mores crunch cereal which looked delicious, and I'm sure it was terrible for your teeth. And then this commercial comes on, and I'm like, that's disgusting. But then I realized I used to eat them all the time. Fruit wrinkles. Fruit wrinkles. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. I couldn't wait to call it out because I was like, oh my god. I remember Fruit Wrinkles, and then they were like Fruit Roll-Ups. I was like, okay, so they're the same company, made Fruit Wrinkles and Fruit Roll-Ups, but I remember the Fruit Wrinkles. I don't think they're around anymore, but I know no. Fruit Roll-Ups are. But then the commercial itself was uh, uh, Claymation, and I remember that as well. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this commercial as a kid. Because I, I was a huge Claymation fan as a kid. I loved I loved the Rankin and Bass stuff, you know, like we talked about. California the, Raisins. California Raisins. The Noid. Uh, Cl- Clay Fighters. The video game, uh, the Noid. I loved all the claymation ship as a kid. Oh yeah, dude! I forgot about Clay Fighters. Um, and then Lady Lovely Locks was a yes. commercial, which I thought was really funny, where she's like, her eyes wink and blink, and I'm like, that's disturbing. I know. I saw that, and I was like, I have no recollection of this whatsoever, and this thing terrified me. Uh, and then uh, Teddy Ruxman, it wasn't a commercial for the toy. It was a commercial for the cartoon, and then I was like, oh, my fucking God, I remember there was a cartoon, too. Totally forgot about it until just today. Yes, yeah, so cool. Um, Teddy Ruxpin was, a, was a, in competition with A.G. Bear, 
which basically would just mimic what you said, but it wouldn't, it was like a sound it would make. It would be like, I love you, AG. And these were two rival. There's actually a quick little documentary news clip online. You can think, um, you can look on YouTube or whatever, but it it was, I think like, like the two guys from Atari were at, at odds with each other and each had competing, um, bears. And obviously Teddy Ruck's been one out. AG was a cheaper version. <laughs> you got it's a really funny commercial or funny news or uh, thing. It's like on 60 Minutes or whatever because they like they were competing against each other as to who was the better bear at the time. <laughs> but then like Teddy Ruxpin for me falls under the category of you know my pet monster and uh, you know well Corky and all that my buddy and stuff like that. I just I didn't. I didn't find I didn't see the appeal of it. And maybe it was for a no. little bit younger audience than I was at the time. But uh, again, I just I didn't want any of it. The closest one I would have wanted would have been uh, My Pet Monster. But I never, and I never watched was, that cartoon yeah. either. Did you? I didn't watch it. And um, I've talked to Dustin about this on $2 Late Fee. He's like, I didn't get it. I didn't yeah. get it at all. And I, I mean, like, I, I think I didn't like big stuffed animals because I think I was aged out at that point. Yeah, me too. I wanted things to be the same scale as my G.I. Joes and my Star Wars figures so I could just play them all together because I was such a scale whore. And I, I mean, even as a kid, the reason I didn't have a lot of Transformers because I, I didn't even like the fact that within their own universe, they weren't even in the correct scale. Like Bumblebee is so much smaller than Optimus Prime. And I'm just like, but they're supposed to be the same. The cartoon tells me that they're the same. I, I yeah. just, And then how does... How? I never, ever, and I don't care how you explain it, I never liked Megatron transforming into a gun that Starscream could hold in his hand. Nope. It made no sense. Yeah. I mean, and I watched a lot of Transformers, but I hated all of that. Yep. Agreed. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) We would have been been on the same page as kids. Uh, Oh, of course. We would have liked the same shit. (laughs) You know, the GoBots were all in scale. They were all in scale to each other. Actually, they weren't. Were they? Yeah, I guess they were. I don't. I had no, one. No, scooter go was bigger than leader one, so maybe not. I had a. I had a psych, cy, cyclone. What's the bad guy's name? Is it cyclone? Yeah, cyclone. I had one toy of him, and he was like in a. He's a big version of him. Like he was like that big. Oh really? Um, and he transformed. He was really cool. And then that one car. You know what I'm talking about? It looked like a futuristic car, and then like the the, the canopy would be its head when it transformed. Yeah, I still have that toy. I, I know. And as a kid, I didn't love it. Had like it, a but, silver figure in yeah, the seat or something. Yes, yes, it did. Um, as a kid, I didn't love it, but now as an adult, I think it looks really cool. Yeah, oh yeah, I totally agree. I think as a kid, I was like, this doesn't play very well, but now as an adult, it stays up on your shelf, and you're like, that's cool to look at. <laughs> it's it's amazing what uh, what we look for as an adult versus what we would look for as a kid. Right. Um, but to wrap things up with the comic strip, uh, guys and gals, if you've never seen it, you know, go check the video, scan through. If you don't like one show, just scan to the next one and, and check it out. You'll you'll know right away when you see them. You know, a minute into each episode, you'll know what they're about and and whether they're your cup of tea or not. I'd say overall. <laughs> Tiger Sharks is, this, is is what I would revisit if I were ever so inclined. And at this point, I would just rather watch more Masters of the Universe or, you know, go back and rewatch the Thundercats reboot and, and give that a second viewing and whatnot. So Tiger Sharks is fun to just yeah. for nostalgic reasons. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's anyways. That's my that's my closing thoughts on comic strip. I'm glad we did it because you've been mentioning it for so long, but it never really clicked for me because I had no nostalgia for it. But I like knowing that this was such a big part of your childhood, or you know, you were it inspired you, and I think that's important. No matter what we think of these episodes, the fact that this cartoon inspired Zach to to follow a certain path in life, I think. I think that's amazing. I think it, I think it's a testament to animation, you yeah. know, and what it, and what kind of influence it can have on you as a kid, for sure. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. good or not. And if it's from the 90s, then probably no one will like it. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I know. JK, so, LOL. Final thoughts, Zach, on the whole thing? I'm glad I was able to revisit it, and I'm glad all these uh, shows still exist on, on the internet, on YouTube, because... Uh, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So at least there's other genre lovers out there who love this stuff like we do, and they can appreciate it for whether it's good or bad. And, um, and thankfully they put this stuff on there because, you know, I don't seeing shows get lifted and some, and suddenly vanish from, you know, HBO or sorry, max or Disney plus it's a shame. So, you know, I think all of these had people making them at a certain time. So you have to appreciate the, what went into making these shows, whether they're that good or not. Well, you know, it's, the, I'm, it's some people I'm sure enjoyed it a lot more than we did uh, as far as like the mini Mon show. But I think tiger sharks will live on for sure. And it'll probably get, I would not be surprised if it gets rebooted down the road or if it's being rebooted right now. I mean, the fact that I know, what the tiger sharks were and i never watched it you know it, it that still has some brand recognition that name has still has some brand value to it so um yeah like you i'm 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 expecting to see some sort of resurgence of tiger sharks in the future and it'll probably come from super seven but who the fuck knows probably <laughs> but then it'll take three years to finally get it exactly exactly so but uh thank you guys so much uh for for going on the uh, tv obscura journey with us diallo was definitely missed this episode but uh he should be back in the future and this kicks off our season five which is pretty freaking amazing season uh, five wow so we've been doing this for a long time guys um and somehow we're getting worse no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding or better <laughs> i know um but the, the amount of name fuck-ups we did this episode is truly remarkable. And I'm going to keep them all in. Because okay, fine. The guys and gals, this is what happens when you got two podcasters who are used to having a little bit of a buzz going, doing this thing stone-cold sober. Stone cold. <laughs> but uh, speaking of some stone-cold soberness, no, that doesn't work. But speaking of stone-cold... But not really. It's a bad transition, guys. It's a bad segue. What's uh, what's going on with Territory Marks over at $2 late fee, buddy boy? Wow. Well, we just dropped episode four, and Paul London and I just recorded episode five, which will be dropping later on this month. Um, you know, another banger of an episode. It's uh, going strong. Paul actually has been a great addition to $2 late fee. In fact, we just did a... Um, we're doing like a monthly trivia and Paul may be a reoccurring guest on the show using patrons as uh, we'll be playing for patrons. So don't be surprised if that continues to pop up and it's all month long. We're celebrating Jill Sholin and her movie. So 
the star of Stepfather and Popcorn and Curse to the Bite, those genre films. But she's she's so much more than that. So um, look for her interview to drop soon if it hasn't already. And she, I can picture the cover for Curse Two in my head. Yeah, yeah, and we talk a little bit about that film thanks to D- David Irons, a patron and friend of the show. Um, gosh, two dollar late fee is now a weekly podcast, just like podcasting after dark. So it's constantly editing, constantly. I'm like, we're Corey and I are part of that same world. We're, we're welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> right, but uh, yeah, we've got that. We've got territory marks. All lots of fun on $2 late fee. Check it out if you love wrestling, if you love 80s movies, 90s movies. Um, We're coming up on our four-year anniversary soon, and we'll be doing a crossover with Corey very soon as well. So look forward, look for that news to pop up um, any day now on our Instagram socials. Yeah, no, we have, yep, we're going to do another one of our annual crossover episodes. I love those. Those are so much fun. Me too. Um, but yeah, no, good job, buddy. And kind of just to reiterate, uh, Territory Marks is is like TV Obscura where it's on the same feed as, as $2 late fee. So how just same as TV Obscura is on the pad feed and everything so go check that out it's a great show um and then zach and i over here on patreon the podcast after dark patreon we are tackling john carpenter's filmography we are getting into his filmography's twilight years uh we're getting towards the end of it we did just drop our village of the damned episode we both very much enjoyed that movie and we will be dropping our escape from la episode this month and we still have to record our vampires episode i think we're going to be recording that i think uh in two weeks and then we're going to have ghost of mars and we're going to have david on for ghost of mars because he wanted to be on ghost of mars for some reason so. yeah he wanted to be why 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 did you want to do that to yourself although once we watch having learned through our escape from la episode that the ghost of mars it was originally supposed to be a snake plissken script i'm a bit more interested in watching that movie now with that in mind yeah no i am too um i'm gonna keep an open mind just like i'm keeping an open mind with vampires all that good stuff we did it for all of them dude i kept an open mind for escape from la and i found some fun in that and we'll totally talk about that and i mean and i kept an open mind for the uh, village of the damned and i was very much uh enjoyed that one so i mean every episode zach and i go into that movie expecting to love it but you know unfortunately things happen and (laughs) memoirs of invisible man and just things just chip away at your love for things yeah, nostalgia can't always hold you, uh, hold, hold the movie up. Nope, it certainly can't. So, but uh, we can, we can try. <laughs> it can try. It, We're nostalgia trying really can hard. Try. <laughs> and thank you, thank you to all the patrons who support us trying. Yes, yes, exactly. Thank you all so much, and thank you for supporting TV Obscura. And uh, give uh, give Diallo some love out there. Hope he's enjoying his vacation. And as always. We'll catch you on the dark side. It's going to be a great time. Come on with us on Podcasting After Dark. Do, 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 do. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. 
and visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, Podcasting After Dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us.